what happens to your, your own personal Internet? I, I just the other day got Internet was sent by my staff at 10 o'clock in the morning on Friday. I got it yesterday. Why? Because it got tangled up with all of these things that are going on the Internet commercially. Howdy folks, welcome to another episode of The Russia Guy. Today I'll be looking briefly at some wild draft legislation just submitted to the State Duma that would give Russia its latest unenforceable internet regulations. The draft law in question is actually a rewritten version of legislation introduced last summer that was supposed to require social networks to delete any illegal content. The new version of this law is basically the same thing, with some added provisions against fake news and even cussing. So what are you going to learn about in this episode of the podcast? First, I'll summarize the main points of the new draft legislation. I'll also talk a bit about why these new regulations would be significant and get into how the Russian government would enforce them if the law is actually passed. Finally, I'll look at what we can actually expect in terms of adoption and enforcement. By the way, I recently interviewed a scholar named Ben Noble who studies Russian legislation, and I encourage listeners to peek at that episode to get some context when it comes to weighing the actions of Russian lawmakers. Now let's get into these proposed internet regulations. As you might imagine, legislation designed to saddle major social networks with sweeping new obligations is pretty complicated. Luckily, Medusa published a nifty summary of what state Duma deputies want to do with this new draft law. I'll start reading the list of the things. Every major social network would be required to establish representation in Russia to make it easier for Russian authorities to communicate with these companies. All major social networks would be forced to identify their users by their phone numbers. This would effectively make it impossible for Russians to use social media anonymously because individuals have to surrender their passport information when they purchase SIM cards. At their own users' requests, all major social networks would be required to delete any information that violates Russian laws. They'd have 24 hours to delete it. At the request of Ruskomnadzor, Russia's federal censor, all major social networks would have to delete any unverified, publicly significant information presented as reliable information. In other words, the Russian government could force social networks to remove anything it says is fake news. And finally, all major social networks would be required to prevent users from publishing content that promotes pornography or a cult of violence. They'd also be required to delete all obscene language. Yes, you read that right. The law would ban all swearing. Right about now, some of you might be asking yourselves, who cares? I don't use pseudonyms in my social media accounts, and I'm not sharing porn or snuff films. Good for you. It's nice to be able to use the internet openly, but unfortunately, not everyone feels safe doing this. In fact, just last week, Russian prosecutors in Krasnoyarsk asked a court to sentence a woman to 18 months in prison for sharing what they say are extremist photos on Vkontakte. There's some dispute about whether the pictures were actually publicly visible, but one thing that nobody disputes is that her Vkontakte account was registered under a fake name. 
The network ratted her out to the police, and that's how the authorities established her identity. If American networks, like Facebook or Instagram, were forced to out all their users, we'd likely see more of these cases beyond Vkontakte. A side note, I don't understand why activists maintain Vkontakte accounts to do anything but maybe contact and mobilize locals for protests or, I don't know, awareness campaigns. Sharing amusing memes on a personal page is just needlessly flirting with extremism charges from local cops, who it seems are always looking for an excuse to open a case against the neighborhood troublemakers. It's important to remember that Russia recently passed anti-terrorist laws that require information distribution organizers to store all user correspondence. Regulators consider social networks to be information distribution organizers, which means the Russian authorities wouldn't just be collecting a lot of different data about its citizens if this new law passed. It means they would also be able to understand relatively easily who was saying what. The Duma's new draft legislation isn't limited to extremist content either. It's aimed at all illegal posts. But how are people supposed to identify this stuff? Well, the authors of the new draft legislation have cooked up the following procedure. First, a user sees something potentially illegal and complains to the social media's administrators. Those administrators then have 24 hours to review the complaint. If they agree that the content is illegal, they're required to delete it. That's it. Administrators must keep records of all complaints and make them available to Roskomnadzor upon request. The legislation says nothing about how users or the social networks in question are supposed to determine what is and is not illegal. Moreover, Russia's anti-extremism laws, if you're familiar with these, you'll know, are so vague and open to interpretation that social networks might simply delete anything flagged by users to avoid the complications of contesting a complaint. There are also three easy steps by which the government is supposed to police fake news. According to the legislation, this work would actually fall to Russia's various state agencies. It's supposed to work a little something like this. First, a state agency notices that somebody has shared a false claim on social media. Don't ask me how they're supposed to do that. I guess that's just part of the job description now. All right, so for example, the Federal Emergency Management Agency sees a post about oh, I don't know, let's say a fire killing hundreds of people, when in fact the number of victims is significantly lower. Using a form that Roskomnadzor has made available, FEMA would then notify them of this false fake news. Roskomnadzor would then examine the notice and order the owners of the relevant social network to delete the false information, again within 24 hours. If the social network fails to delete this information, Roskomnadzor can then ask a court to issue fines as high as 50 million rubles, which is uh, more than $820,000. For repeated violations, it can actually order Russian internet service providers to block access to that particular web page. Now, because blocking individual web pages on most social networks is usually impossible, this means that many ISPs would actually end up blocking entire social networks. All this maybe sounds a bit familiar, and that's because Germany actually adopted a similar, quite controversial law last June. Online social networks identified as services with more than 2 million users in Germany were required to offer users a similar complaint form and delete within 24 hours any posts or comments that violate German laws, including laws against hate speech. In cases where the content isn't clearly illegal, social networks can take up to a week to review a particular complaint. 
Social media companies face fines as high as $57 million if they don't comply with the new law. The new law came into force on January 1st, and German politicians are reportedly already eager to add an amendment to help social media users get incorrectly deleted material restored. Too much content is being blocked already, critics say. But could any of this legislation actually work in Russia? That much isn't clear. At a meeting with the legislation's supporters in the state Duma, several experts and industry figures said plainly that the draft law is wildly impractical. Even Maria Katasanova, a social media star best known for her love notes to Vladimir Putin, Donald Trump, and Marine Le Pen, savaged the state Duma on Twitter on Monday, accusing lawmakers of pushing absurd legislation. Many people have pointed out that the legislation seeks to control foul language on social media, even though thousands of new posts are written and published every second. Unfortunately, Vice Speaker Pyotr Tolstoy's response didn't inspire much confidence. He said any technical issues with obeying Russia's laws aren't the state Duma's problem. It's up to the social networks to design websites that don't break the law, Tolstoy said. Based on the letter of the law, the Russian government long ago should have ordered all the biggest foreign social networks to register with Roskomnadzor as information distribution organizers. But it hasn't, and that's significant. Websites like Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube, they're still not subject to many of the most draconian requirements of Russian internet regulations. Earlier this year, when YouTube refused to delete a video uploaded by Alexei Navalny about the billionaire Oleg Deripaska, Roskomnadzor declined to exercise its authority to block YouTube. All this makes it hard to predict how a new law against fake news would work in practice. For the past six years, Russia has been enacting draconian information laws one after another. At first, it was common to take these regulations at face value and assume alarmedly that Russia's open internet was coming to an end. That hasn't happened exactly, though you'd probably hear a different story from plenty of opposition activists with extremism or public unrest convictions for social media posts. There are already enough laws for the Russian authorities to find really any excuse to order the deletion or the identification of anything shared online. Activists like Leonid Volkov argue that the government doesn't dare try to block networks like Facebook or Instagram. This kind of action nearly led to a coup in Brazil recently, Volkov argued in a column published in Open Democracy. Anything that could make people unhappy and drive them to the streets is decided by Putin, he says. So far, it's highly speculative to say that blocking social media websites would risk a coup in Russia. There are domestic alternatives to all the major services offered from Silicon Valley, and tech-savvy youngsters who need their Californian fix would probably be more likely to spend their time circumventing such censorship than piling into the streets. A problem with Volkov and many of the other people who speculate that banning Facebook could threaten Putin's regime is that the theory is premised on the idea that the yearning masses are just waiting for an excuse to rise up. Maybe losing Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, or some other network really would anger Russians enough to mount serious protests, but I don't see it. So now you know generally what this legislation is about, how the government would enforce it, and why it matters, even if you're cozy enough not to need an online pseudonym. But what's the gist of all this? How does this draft law fit into everything else out of Russia lately? Russia's internet crackdown is the Russian approach to a problem that isn't unique to Russia. The State Duma modeled its law on one out of Germany. 
the U.S. Congress is calling in Mark Zuckerberg for a public spanking. You don't have to be an authoritarian state to fear the disruptive power of social media. Regarding the legislation I've described in this episode of The Russia Guy, there are two questions I'd like to ask. First, will this be the legislation that Moscow finally decides to enforce against Western social networks? Probably not. If Russia goes nuclear and blocks a major social network, it will probably want to make the fight about something worse than a few bad words or a fake news story. And the second question is, how will Russian law enforcement agencies incorporate these new, largely redundant police powers into their repertoire? Vkontakte would likely lead the way here again. The network remains the country's most popular online platform, and it's always been happy to find new ways of selling its users down the river. That's the end of the episode, folks. If you enjoy this podcast and want to help out with the cost of audio recording, editing, and hosting, please consider pledging a little money at patreon.com backslash Kevin Rothrock. As always, thanks for listening. Until next time. Погадать на короля. Ой-ля-ля, ой-ля-ля.